Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. We've got a, a very interesting and, and sensitive topic, I think uh, we could say, for today. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. Um, glad to be back and glad to have you with us again. Uh, today I'm going to be joined by Attorney James Dorr. Um, James is here representing, uh, among others, the Criminal Defense Practice Group at LaBelle Law. And we're going to discuss domestic battery, um, providing a definition of what it is, the, the severity of charges, and, and who ultimately decides if cases are to be pursued. Uh, you may be surprised to hear some of the results, so I encourage you to take advantage of the knowledge and, and vast experience that James brings, and we'll try and do our best to, to cover this uh, carefully and thoroughly for everyone in the next 15 minutes. So, uh, Mr. Dorr, welcome back. Nice to talk to you again. Hey, Jim. Great to be back on your show. Um, you know, domestic battery is a very serious topic, and it, it conjures up some, some intense scenarios. Um, I'm sure it's a broad legal category. What what types of actions can cause charges of domestic battery to be filed? Okay. Um, well, in Illinois, there's really two main um, elements to uh, a domestic battery, or two ways it can be charged. One could be for causing bodily harm, intentionally causing bodily harm to a family member or a household member. Uh, or and a second way can be by making physical contact um, that, while not causing bodily harm, can be considered insulting or provoking with the same family or household member. So there's two basically two ways to charge the domestic uh, violence under domestic battery statute. Um, and those are the two two, two basic ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and clarify that for me just to make sure we understand here. Does there need to be actual physical contact or is, is threatening behavior enough to warrant charges? Uh, threatening would be a different different uh, charge entirely. Okay. Okay. That, that okay. would uh, be more in the assault category. Whereas mm-hmm. this requires, you know, some bodily harm or some physical contact. There has to be some, some element uh, of that. Got it. Okay. And um, we're using the term domestic battery, which I assume is is different than battery. So does that imply that that actions are carried out against an immediate family member in these cases? Right. Right. The the domestic battery statutes uh, has widened over the years to. Uh, encompass more memories in that family or household member description, but essentially that is the main difference between a, a simple battery or you know, just an ordinary battery, um, would say a stranger, or mm-hmm. uh, in this case a domestic battery would be uh, concerning a family member or household member. So those okay. are the uh, the main difference here. Now, if if there's a disturbance of some sort at a home at a residence, and the police are, are called. Uh, can can they charge one of the family members if they if they simply see evidence of a physical confrontation, or, or does that affected family member really have to ask that charges be filed? No, no, no. no. Normally, in those situations, when officers respond, if they see any evidence of a domestic battery occurring, they will make an arrest of somebody on site. Um, they're they're in fact they're they're required when they see the evidence to make that arrest and bring those charges for the uh, bring the case for the state's attorney's office to handle the charges. Okay. And and I think um you know we need to to talk about um uh how that gets handled. So, 
Um, in that instance, uh, no one actually files a complaint. They're, they're called. The police are called, but uh, they see the evidence, so they, they take it. And you said it goes to the state's attorney. So they are they the ones then who right. determine whether or not a case is followed? Right. It, 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 the the complaining witness, let's say, in a, in a case like this, mm-hmm. they can sign the complaint or they can proceed, uh, the state's attorney's office can proceed with the complaint without a signature based on just the officer's uh, uh uh, testing, attesting to what he witnessed on the scene. So at that point, when there's some evidence of a domestic battery having occurred, the state's attorney's office in that county will take over the prosecution. And that simply means that they have the discretion as to what, how that case is charged and what ultimately um, happens with that case, whether it's charged at all uh, and under what, what type of statute and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. So the, I guess the main the main point of that is the um, the victim in, in a domestic battery situation does not have the ability to say you know, to simply drop the charges is, is often heard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm often heard by you know, my clients ask me, you know, my uh, significant other wants to drop the charges. How do we do this? Well, the fact remains they cannot do that. Only the state's attorney's office has the power and the authority to dismiss charges outright. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when we talk about the officers uh, making the decision, you, you kind of gave us an overview at the beginning, but what, what do they need to see in terms of evidence? Is it, um, uh, do they need to see, you know, bruising or cuts or what, what do they see that helps them make that determination? Well, that certainly helps them make that. That's an easier call on their, on their part if they see some mm-hmm. evidence of bodily harm, uh, uh, bruising, redness, marks, anything like that. It makes it a little bit easier. Um, but as long as that contact was insulting or provoking, and of course the, the only the victim could say that I was provoked or insulted by that that contact, mm-hmm. um, so they they would have to make that determination by listening and interviewing the people who are on the scene. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're talking to Attorney James Dor Lavelle Law. Um, our discussion today is, is focused on uh, the very serious charges of, of domestic battery. Um, and, and we've we talked to James before, and he's always shared very valuable information about uh, this and other topics as we get the chance to talk to him. If we run out of time today, uh, I encourage everyone to, to look for more information at LavelleLaw.com. Uh, you'll find James' profile there and, and some articles and some videos that uh, we've been working on, so a lot of updates available at the website. Um, now, when... File, uh, charges like this are filed. What what sort of punishment uh, does the does the offender face in in a domestic battery case? Okay, a domestic battery is uh, normally a, a class A misdemeanor. That means it's punishable punishable by up to 364 days in jail and or a $2,500 fine. Um, if there's any more severe injuries, say great bodily harm, uh, or there's other prior domestic battery charges. Well, those are a couple bases where the state's attorney's office can seek to enhance those charges to a felony, um, which, you know, obviously the, the uh, uh, punishments for the felonies are, are increased rather than, the, you know, at the simple misdemeanor level. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I want to go back to something we talked about a couple minutes ago when, when you said that, um, you know, the family member cannot, uh, you know, kind of move to have the charges dropped once once they've been filed. Um, so obviously, it, you know the, the case is taken seriously, and, and um, once it's set in motion, uh, it's, it's going to proceed. But now, does the state's attorney rely on 
those individuals to actually come and testify? I mean, if they don't drop the charges, can they refuse to testify and kind of derail things that way? Well, they they are an essential witness usually for these cases. Okay, they're they're the one harmed. They are, are a, a, you know could be said a vital witness for the state's attorney's office in order to substantiate their claim. Um, again, like any other criminal charge, they have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt that this domestic battery occurred. Um, and one of the ways they can prove that is through the testimony of their witness, who would who would testify to the you know bodily harm or the physical contact you know, that they were insulted, provoked, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, the thing to remember with that is, they, they, along with the fact that they can't simply drop a case as, as a victim in a, in, a, in a case, they still are essential for the state's attorney's office. So the state's attorney will uh, interview that person. Uh, they do want a cooperative witness to go forward. It makes their case a little mm-hmm. bit easier. Um, but, they, you know, it, um, many cases in Illinois, they, they do uh, end up getting... Uh, dropped by the prosecutor because they can't make the burden of proof because they don't have a, a witness to testify, but they do have subpoena power and they can compel witnesses to testify. Whether or not you want to testify or not, if you receive that subpoena, you are uh, ordered by the court to appear and testify. So um, that option of uh, simply not going to court may not be the best uh, best route to take. Um, mm mm-hmm. As you can see, the the, the court uh, the court itself can come down uh, on that person, independent of that charge, uh, for failing to appear. So it's um, rather than being yeah. a victim in a case, you can go to being prosecuted for failing to appear in a case. So you can really turn yeah. the tables on on a victim in this case. And, and I know that in many instances like this, victims are sometimes hesitant to come forward. Or the, you know, they don't want to be involved, and it's it's unfortunate that. Uh, some of these cases uh, are not uh, addressed perhaps the way they should be. But on the other hand, there are uh, victims who, who do uh, take a very strong stand. And in some cases, then, they can also, uh, if I'm correct, order or ask for some orders of protection or to, to keep uh, the offender away from them. What what has to happen to make that occur? Sure, sure. The, the orders of protection, again, that would be uh, handled by the state's attorney's office. Um and they would, uh, in, in most counties, they handle those cases. And it could be an order, they could be a temporary order, or one that could last up to two years. Um, it would prohibit uh, and protect certain, it would protect certain individuals from uh, contact by the you know, defendant in this case, and protect certain places, say, uh, of work, schools, the home. It can, it, it can protect people places and things, basically. So um, the order will be tailored to the specific circumstances um, uh, in front of the judge at that at particular case. So um, really, it's, it's, it's it can be um, up to the imagination and necessity of the judge uh, as he determines uh, in this case. And, and what's, what's the risk to the, um, to the offender if they violate these orders of protection? Well, that'd be a separate uh, uh, criminal charge. Uh, starting off with a Class A misdemeanor, um, again, the same punishment, 364 days in jail, $2,500 fine. And if you have multiple uh, convictions, then you can, you know, obviously it could be increased to a felony or enhanced to a felony charge. Um, so, um, you know, many times the, the first instance isn't as serious as the second or third or additional after that instance. Mm-hmm. And as you work with clients um, in these types of instances, 
um, despite what they may think had occurred and how they think they can resolve things at home, if someone is charged with a domestic battery, um, certainly it's something they need to take very seriously, right? That is true. That is true. And then one thing to remember in a lot of these cases, you know, the state's attorney's office won't want to talk to the defendant, and many times they're not allowed to. The defendant has a right to a, his own lawyer and a right not to talk to the prosecution. Um, so if you want to present your side of the story or say you have a, a complaining witness who doesn't want to go forward, they want to simply present what happened, well, it's a perfect opportunity for the defense attorney to step in and, and be the, to, to aid in those negotiations and facilitate that discussion. Um, there's many facts that we would want the state's attorney's office to know about to maybe encourage them to think about mm-hmm. and contemplate dismissing a charge or even uh, reducing a charge is another option. Okay. Okay. So um, obviously, we, we've done a, a, I think, a great job of trying to cover this in the time we had today. Um, before we let you go, now, if someone is uh, in need of an attorney, they want to talk to someone about uh, potential charges like this that, that may have been brought. Um, how, how does someone reach out to you and find you, James? Oh, um, absolutely. You can reach me at my uh, my uh, direct line here at my office, eight four seven two four one one seven nine eight. You can also look up criminallaw.com, our website, or Lavelle Law, um, and look up our information there. Um, I'd be happy to talk to uh, anybody about this. Okay. Well, um, certainly happy to have had uh, James Doerr with us and appreciate his time. As always, uh, good, to, good to talk to him. We'll let him go ahead and get back to his day. And uh, time now to let all of you return to yours. Uh, once again, um, LavelleLaw.com uh, provides a lot of information, including articles and all of our past podcasts. I encourage you to jump over there at some point if you'd like to hear more from James or, or any of the attorneys at Lavelle Law on a wide variety of topics. Uh, a great deal of information there, and we'll certainly look forward to bringing you more conversation in the weeks ahead. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847 705 7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 